0: Welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. Our reading today comes from 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 7 through 15. Uh, Today is our Friday podcast, a beautiful, radiant Friday in Dothan, Alabama. And I have my friend, Philip, with me. Philip, how are you today?
1: I'm doing pretty good.
0: It's great to see you, man.
1: Well, it's it's um I've already been outside and the weather's nice and another beautiful day.
0: That is beautiful. I, I love these fall days in Dothan, Alabama. We get the the beautiful blue sky and a little bit of chill in the air, but not too much. Uh no gnats, so that's good. The gnats are gone today. That's a good thing. If you're not from South <laughs> Alabama, you wouldn't understand that. But we we have a gnat problem here. But this time of year we get a, a reprieve, Philip, from the scourge. Of, of gnats and mosquitoes, but it is a beautiful day. And we have an interesting passage um, just to give you some perspective. In 2 Kings 8, we've got Elisha is the prophet of Israel. And Elisha's name is, is kind of going outside the, the boundaries of Israel. People in Syria have heard about God's prophet Elisha. Remember Naaman, who was killed with leprosy, the Syrian captain. And once again, we're going to have Elisha connected with the nation of Syria, an odd story where God's prophet leaves the bounds of Israel and goes to the capital of really an enemy, Philip. Syria is not an ally of Israel in any stretch of the imagination. So he's going into enemy territory, into a pagan people. So I'm going to read uh, verses 7 through 15 from the English Standard Version. Now Elisha came to Damascus. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, was sick. When it was told, him the man of God has come here, the king said to Haziel. Take a present with you and go to meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord through him, saying, Shall I recover from this sickness? So Haziel went to meet him and took a present with him, all kinds of goods of Damascus, 40 camel loads. When he came and said before him, he said, Your son Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this sickness? And Elisha said to him, Go, say to him, You shall certainly recover. But the Lord has shown me that he shall certainly die. And he fixed his gaze and stared at him until he was embarrassed. And the man of God wept. And Haziel said, why does my Lord weep? He answered, because I know the evil that you will do to the people of Israel. You will set on fire their fortresses. You will kill their young men with a sword and dash in pieces their little ones and rip open their pregnant women. And Haziel said, what is your servant who is but a dog that he should do this great thing? Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you are to be king over Syria. Then he departed from Elisha and came to his master who said to him, what did Elisha say to you? And he answered, he told me that you would certainly recover. But the next day he took the bedcloth and dipped it in water and spread it over his face till he died. And Haziel became king in his place. Now, Philip, this is an interesting story to say the least. And before we came on, we talked a little bit about the intrigue going on the character Development, the character drama here. What are some things you could share with us this morning that you picked up from this passage? I know you had some really good points earlier.
1: Well, one of the interesting things about this, these short section of verses is that we get to see a character, a, a person's character completely change based on circumstances. And God, of course, already knows this character, but the character doesn't know himself, and I, I think that's maybe one of the big things in this in this lesson. We we see a man who's attentive to the king, and the king says, "Take a present." He takes forty loads of cam- on the camels, forty camel loads, which is quite a present if you ask me, and so he's he's showing a good heart. And uh, when, he's, when he's told that he's going to do terrible things, his reaction is, no, uh, that's, that's not me. That's not the kind of person I am. And then he's told, well, you're going to be king. And the next thing you know, he brings that to pass. His character, the true inner self comes out. And we see that in a lot of Old Testament characters. I, here you have David who refuses to kill Saul who's trying to kill him. No, no, I'm not gonna, far be it from me to kill the Lord's anointed. Yet he kills his best buds because he's caught in adultery and no qualms about it. Put him up front, withdraw, kill him. So we don't sometimes know who we are until we're put in the pressure of the situation. And we need to be careful about saying things like, well, I would never do that. Yeah. Or if, if that would have been me, I would have. We don't know till we get there. I, I don't I don't think uh, Hazel had any idea when he took those 40 camels that he was going to wind up killing the king. And as I mentioned to you, if that were the case, I don't think he would have given away 40 camel loads of goods. No. He'd have just killed the king. Right. He got it over with.
0: He wouldn't and have gone, gone to the prophet anyway.
1: So what he needed was first of all, the idea, and second, the opportunity, and that's what we see happen, because Elisha says to him, you're going to be king, and then he's in the room with the king, He just seeing the king alone, and the king is still sick, but he's going to recover, he's going to get better, doesn't mean he's recovered right then, but he's going to, he's not going to die of the disease, and suddenly Hazael picks up a bedcloth, dips it in some water to make sure that it's, it's uh, smothering, puts it over the king's face and uh, the king can't breathe and, and now Hazel's king. And, uh, and, and that, we know what kind of king he became. So from the beginning of this section to the end of this section, a characters complete uh, identification, self-identification changes And when you look at all these men in Hebrews and women in Hebrews that were great people of faith, they all went through some kind of trial and their true character came out. And uh, I think also that passage in Peter, where Peter says, well, the the devil's walking around looking for opportunities. And uh, it, it doesn't mean that he's gonna take us over. It just means he's gonna give us opportunity. So when the devil confronts us, our true nature is going to come out. Right. And uh, I mean, just historically, you can think of person after person who, who stood up and who didn't, Benedict Arnold. And we know of other traitors besides Benedict Arnold, but when the moment came, their true character And to me, what that says to me is I need to be working on who I am, make sure I know who I am and what I can do. And and then throw a lot of reliance on God. And that's that's one of the problem with the Syrian kings. Is there's no reliance on God. The only reliance Ben-Hadad has is just find out if he's going to die or not.
0: Yeah, like he, he needs a fortune teller. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. uh,
1: as far as saying, have the man of God pray for me or have the man of God intercede for me, all he wants to know is have the man of God tell me the truth. And and uh, I think we do need to be looking at the truth, but we need to be looking at ourselves and building up our faith so that when we do encounter the devil in whatever capacity it is, uh, we will not provide him an opportunity.
0: There's something 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 that that stuck with me that I thought was really interesting. And I think this is an excellent insight was you're, you're making small choices. Now you're developing virtue and character. Now it's going to come under fire later. So you're making these small choices. You're making these, you're developing your faith. You're growing through Bible study, prayer, fellowship with other Christians. You're 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 trying to mortify the flesh, an old ter- an old school term there, but you're trying to to work on the desires of the flesh, to conquer that epithemia, that that disordered passion that you have. So in little things right now, I'm winning the battle against sin because one day there's going to be the big test that's going to come, and if I'm winning these little battles today, then I'm going to be successful in that big test that's coming down the road. Not. I read a story about Sully Sullenberger, the the guy that flew the plane that landed it in the uh, it the Hudson River, I guess, in New York, and saved all those people. And you know, the guy was in, the, in this story I read, he was likening our Christian virtue to Sullenberger, and he said, you know, Sully had worked, you know, years, you know, flying planes and had developed the skills and, and the character necessary for that moment. You know, that didn't happen in a vacuum. That he was able to land that plane and keep his nerve, but when the time came, all those little tests that he had earlier, all those opportunities to improve and his character and his performance and his job all came to fruition in that one big test there at the Hudson River, and I think the same is true in what you're saying that, you know, we're as Christians everyday striving to become more like Christ because one day that big test may come for us,
1: yeah, and you know, I mean, I like what you said about the little things, because oftentimes we, we may go a long period without a big thing, and we may not be paying attention to the fact that, like caution lights and red lights and uh, not stopping at stop signs, all these things that have something to say about our character, little lies yeah. versus big lies, and, and we're if we're not careful, we'll we will sort of fail those early tests. And then we'll be surprised when something major comes along and we and we give in. And it's because we have not trained ourselves to stay in the straight and narrow and, and do the and do the right thing. And that's really what we ought to be doing. And I don't know who said it, somebody famous said, you know, you should know yourself. And I think in this case, we need to know ourselves. We need to know where we stand with God and and how much do we really believe that that God is watching out for us and that we're his children. Because if we don't, we're going to have a weak moment and Satan is going to tempt
0: us. Yes, that that idea of self-awareness is really important, Like really knowing your weakness, knowing where you struggle. Because it's, it's chilling and scary when you meet people that are not self-aware, like they're not aware of their foibles. They, they tend to be blinded by, and maybe Haziel's a little bit like that, that he, you know, he's, he gets this ambiguous prophecy from Elisha. He's going to recover, he's going to die. And he's thinking, well, you know what, I'm just going to help this process out a little bit, you know, and he didn't maybe, maybe didn't know that was lurking in his heart. And then once he gets the chance to be the king, all this just comes out of him. And I, I, I love that insight you bring to the story and the, the, the heart of Elisha too. You know, I, I love Elisha, his reaction here. He just stares at Haziel, first of all, when Haziel comes to him, he just stares at him awkwardly. And then he cries because he realizes what Haziel is going to become. And I think there's something about being grieved by people's sin. There's something about being grieved about people being, having compassion. You know, he knows what's going to happen to his country, You know, Elisha's a big-hearted guy here. He's he's grieved maybe for Haziel, that this is what you're going to become. I I see what's coming for Israel and I see what's coming for you. And and I think we as Christians can identify with that that we grieve. You know, we're not excited about God's judgment. You know, (laughs) that's not something we we want to see people um, not come to Christ. We want to see people come to Christ and receive forgiveness. And so. There's this sense of Elisha. The man of God has that weight on him too.
1: Uh, it's, uh, I guess it's sad time, sometimes when you can see what's going to happen and the other <laughs> person, you know, like maybe you have a friend that's starting on drugs. Yeah. And you had other friends that, that went all the way with drugs and you know what's fixing to happen. And, and it, like Elisha, you're going to want to cry. Because you see what's going to happen, but the person there doesn't see it.
0: Yeah, it's a great.
1: Azel has not been tested, and he at this point he's he's like, "Why are you crying?"
0: Uh, I'm just a dog. I'm just a little guy. Oh, well, do.
1: you know, what, it, it's it's not that he's. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've been hated. Hey, is he saying what's been hated hey, to you that you're? crying over that. In other words, what is the reason for your tears? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're crying uh, over Ben-Hadad. Cause I mean, he knows that they're at opposites. He knows they're enemies. Uh, so he doesn't understand it. And then Elisa tells him, well, the reason I'm crying is because I know what you're going to do. I know what's going to happen.
0: He calls it evil, the evil he's gonna do.
1: Yes. And I mean, it's, that's pretty gruesome stuff. That he, yeah. That he, that he talks about killing children, ripping pregnant women open. I mean, that's that's bad stuff.
0: It is. And, and it's he, so
1: bad that even Hazael is like, "Wow, uh, who, who do you think I am that I'd be doing stuff like that?" You know. And uh, he said, "Well." The reason I know that is because you're going to be king. When you get to be king, you have all this power. And I know what kind of person you are. And lo and behold, Hazel turns out to be exactly what Elisha thought. Almost immediately, he goes back and one day passes. That's how long it takes him to plot murder.
0: It didn't take long, does it?
1: One day. He has no thought of it. And then a day later, because he sees the promise of being king, he's willing to murder. And if he can murder, if he can murder Ben-Hadad, then he can murder Israelites.
0: And this story is time putting a bow on that. Back in First Kings 19, you've got Mount Horeb where Elijah meets God. And God says, you're going to anoint Haziel and Jehu, and you're going to anoint Elisha. And we never see him anoint Haziel. So Elisha kind of acts as a, a de facto Elijah here. He's carrying out that that promise to Elijah. Elisha is like a Elijah point two. You know, he's, and so this prophecy is coming true. Israel will be judged. And so you see God's sovereignty in this whole story too. He's using, you brought out a great insight um, before we came on the idea that God can look into the heart of a person and see their foibles and accomplish his purposes through that person. So you've got, maybe God sees this character flaw in, in Haziel that we can't see. God sees the heart. He knows it's there. And so he'll use that for his purposes to use Haziel to judge his people.
1: And I had, I, you know, I wondered at the beginning when we first started looking at this passage, why uh, Elisha. Is in Damascus. I mean, I, you know, I was trying to figure out.
0: It's a weird place for. A why prophet would he go there? <laughs> Not a place a prophet would be.
1: That's right. If you're a true prophet of God, you need to be in Israel talking to those people. Why are you in Damascus? But when you tie it back to that passage in First Kings with Elijah, you understand that the reason he's there is because God has no doubt said to him, "It's time, Elisha."
0: Yeah.
1: It's time, and uh, and so he. God has given him the story. This is what's going to happen. And uh, and so he goes, he, and obviously he's not happy. He's kind of like Jonah in that respect. Jonah got mad, but Elisha cried.
0: Yeah, that's a good connection.
1: But, uh, you you know, but I mean, there's still this adverse reaction to what's, to what's going to happen. Elisha's doing what God said, but he is not. I don't think he's very, he's not happy about it. And it shows And you know, there's this one of the, the, if if you were writing a story or a screenplay, you could really make something out of this staring business. He fixed his gaze and stared at him. And it's like he could see right through him. Yeah. Like he could see inside him. And, And he's just standing there staring, seeing these things that are happening. And by the time he's seen them, the tears start flowing. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah. He's, looking he's, he's looking at the sky and he's looking inside him and he's seeing the evil that is coming. And 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 it's so overpowering, so overwhelming that he, he begins to cry because of what he sees. And that's a sad day for the You know, usually you think about the prophet being victorious. Yeah. You know, and here we see the prophet suffering terribly because... He knows what, he sees what's going to happen because he can look inside this person and see it's who great, he
0: really is. You know, I saw a movie one time, Philip, it was one of the 9,000 movies about the life of Christ. You see, some are better than others, but I can't remember this one, but the one interesting twist they had in the temptation of Christ was as he's being tempted by the devil, He Jesus is seeing into the future, so to speak, and what the horrible things people will do in his name and so it adds to the complexity of, of the temptation that Jesus seeing the future, you know, Christians like the Crusades and things like that—they'll—they'll they'll do this in my name. So, I love that idea that as Elisha's looking at him, and you've got that just staring through him—he's seeing what Haziel's going to be, and so that brings him to tears. And so I think that's a that's a great perspective. And Haziel's embarrassed, you know, he's staring so hard at him. It's, it's as if Hazio has to turn away, like, okay, this is bothering me, how he's looking at me.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that he's like, he's seeing something in Elisha's eyes, and he doesn't understand it, maybe exactly, because it hasn't dawned on him yet what kind of a person he is. I, I don't think, I mean, maybe to some extent, but I don't think he sees himself ripping babies out of right. the wombs of their mothers, and and, uh, and so he's puzzled by this and it embarrasses him just, well, that probably embarrass any of us if somebody just stood there and stared at us and stared at us and stared at us. Priscilla soon he said, what's wrong? What's the matter what are you doing? And, uh, but then the tears come and that really, you know, I mean, I, I, I see Hazel here is trying to figure out what is going on.
0: What is wrong with this guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, all the staring then the crying. And it's because of what what the prophet has seen. Right. And uh, wouldn't it be something if you could think about God looking at us like Elisha looked at Hossiel, you know, and he sees what we're fixing to do?
0: Yeah, Jesus does that with Peter, and he does it twice. And there's there at the end, you know, where he says, Satan demands to sit you like wheat. he sees what's coming for Peter. If someone's going to lead you where you don't want to go, it's not going to be easy, Peter, to be my follower. And the same thing with with Paul and his, his calling, that he would have to suffer many things for the kingdom. And Philip, th- this has been awesome insight. I'm going to wrap wrap and kind of put all this together, what we've talked about. Um, so if I miss something, correct me, Philip. But we looked at this idea of the sovereignty of God that he can see into the human heart. He knows. Haziel. We see this coming to fruition of God's plan. God's plan will not be thwarted. It's going to happen. But then we have this, this idea of we don't truly know what's in our heart. We don't know how we're going to react until we're tested. We can say all day long, I can't believe old so-and-so did that and pass judgment on them. But we don't really know what we would do unless we're in the same situation And so then we have to be vigilant to know ourselves, to know our own foibles and issues. And win these battles against sin, these small battles every day, whether it's being kind to our spouse or caring for others or controlling our tongue, controlling the lust of the flesh, those small victories, turn that computer off when you're by yourself and don't look at those horrible things. Win those small battles against the flesh and epithemia, because one day the big test is coming, the big test is coming, whether it's, the test of being enticed to an affair or to, um, you know, cheat in your job or do something awful or heinous that people consider the quote unquote big sins, that test may be coming. And so these small minor victories every day are setting you up for that big test that's coming. And so that, I thought, Philip, that was a wonderful insight and the passage I looked at, I'll be honest, earlier this week I thought, what are we going to talk about? Um, Once again, you you did not disappoint in bringing uh, some wonderful insight into a very difficult passage. I want to say thank you for that today. It was a blessing.
1: i like to close by just asking myself, do I want to be like David and say, "Look look at me? Look inside me. Examine my heart. That's what happened to Ben Hazel here. He had his heart examined. And I wonder if we're willing to let that happen
0: right now. That's a good question to think about. That's a heavy question on a Friday, but one we need to think about. And I'm going to close this with that question. Are we willing to let God search our heart and really see who we are and to really know who you are? Philip, thank you. You have a wonderful weekend. and We will be back next week. It's Thanksgiving week, but we'll still be back with our Good lord. Uh, we have
1: to sign.
0: <laughs> we'll be ready. Hey, God bless Philip. You enjoy this beautiful Friday. We'll do. Yes, sir.